Andrew is the Aussie bloke living in the U.S. Heather is the American gal living in Australia. Together, they travel the world sharing strategies on how to put your business on autopilot. Doing business online is no longer about having a website. To get more clients and take care of the ones you have, you will need a map. They've got it. So sit back and relax and welcome aboard. This flight is bound to autopilot your business. On today's podcast, we're talking about the keys to website success. The amount of marketing information available is crippling businesses to make informed decisions. Are you one of them? Before you spend another dollar on the next shiny object, ask us first if it's worth it. Stop the overwhelm now at Digital Traffic Institute. Become a member at digitaltrafficinstitute.com forward slash special. Hey everybody, this is Andrew McCauley. Welcome to the Autopilot Your Business podcast. This is episode number 118. Today, we are going to continue our little Q&A. Last week, I answered three of the most requested questions that I get every time I go out and speak. This week, we are flipping the tables and we are going to ask Heather what the questions are that she gets often when she's out there speaking. Heather Porter, are you in the room? I'm here. Hello, Andrew. Hello, everybody. It's good to be back hanging out with you guys in your earbuds, wherever you are in the world. Yeah. And so um, we've got a lot of good feedback from last time. I guess uh, people liked those questions. And as I mm. said, you know, they're the questions that people ask me all the time when I'm out and about. So we thought, well, why don't we uh, flip the tables and get your questions that people ask you all the time, because you are speaking a lot in front of lots of business owners and lots of entrepreneurs. And there are a series of questions that you, know, you and I both get on a regular basis. So we thought, well, why not, if, if that many people have those questions when we're out and about, then surely our podcast listeners are also having those questions popping up from time to time. So we're going to dig in and answer those for you. That we are. But before we do that, I do want to know what you've been up to and if you've come across anything interesting. Well, I have this week one of my one of my favorite platforms in the last twelve months died. It's died, gone to heaven. <laughs> it came on the scene almost exactly a year ago. You know, it's almost a year to the day that it came on, and that is Blab. So, if you've ever been on a Blab, you know what Blab's all about. If you haven't been on a Blab, then you'll never ever go on one ever again. But Blab was a um, was a tool that uh, you could do a four-way conversation on video, live feed, live stream. You could have people pop in and pop off, but you could also have hundreds of other people watching you as well. Um, and it was it was a, a great tool, but unfortunately, they couldn't sustain it. Um, they had some interesting figures. You know, they had they went from zero to four hundred million users in under twelve months, which is phenomenal. Huge. Um, but what you know, one of the what, what they they also posted a blog post saying you know what went wrong, and one of the things was that um, most people's live streams sucked. <laughs> to be honest with you, they were boring. You know, the, mm. the the repeat rate of people coming back to Blab wasn't very high. Um, I think they said about ten percent. And uh, but what they were finding was um, people's Blabs were ultimately boring, and I. I, I could see that. I did a regular blab uh, with another guy for, you know, six months and we were getting a dropping off of people because, well, not because we were boring, but because people were just <laughs> not coming back to the platform in general. So, um, so I'm seeing a bit of a drop off on 
Periscope. I know Facebook yep. are spending an inordinate amount of money and effort making sure Facebook Live um, does what it's got to do. I, you know, Heather, I don't know. We've never we've never discussed this, but you know, my thoughts are that the most what's the most common fear in the world? Do you know what the most common fear is? Public speaking. Public speaking, right? Most people, <laughs> most people would rather die. You, than... you and I must be weird because we like it. <laughs> well, I know, I know, but you know, so most people would rather die than speak in public. And I think this whole live streaming thing yeah. is, um, I mean, it's great for entertainment. It's great for that sort of thing. But if you're a business owner and you are okay with speaking in public and you want to get on and do some live stuff. You, there's a fair chance you'll be streets ahead of your competition if you do because there's a, there's a big chance that your competition won't like to be doing live streaming in front of a camera. So I think um, there's going to be a challenge there for the uptakes. Like we can all jump on social media and post things because we don't have to be on camera. But the minute you put someone on camera, things change. So anyway, that's what I learned this week is that Blab's died and gone to heaven. Something else will come along, but right now, I'm not sure what that's going to be. Well, I think it's interesting that you brought that up, and I had a comment on that, is that with so many live feeds happening, we have to go back to our common sense about what we like to watch as human beings when we're watching content. We like to know straight away what we're going to get, right? So what is in it for us? And so we're going to spend our time there. A lot of people going on right now about this thing called pattern interrupts, which is essentially just something that's going to interrupt your attention long enough to go, yeah, I'll check that out. But also cliffhangers, you know, reasons to return and come back. And when we're in a live environment, we kind of forget that stuff. We actually, because we're live and we're not thinking and strategically putting together good content that is what we used to do on YouTube shows. You know what I mean? (laughs) So um, I I think people are are working to crack that. And and there are certain people that are creating really elaborate Facebook live shows right now with that format that I think are working well. But Mm -hmm. everybody else... It's tricky, you know, we gotta yeah, you can go live. Anybody can go live, but you also have to be, you know, good at what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. It, there is a specific format that has worked for television for fifty, sixty years. Um, that format hasn't changed essentially. It's hook, you know, hook, keep them coming back, loop some stories, make sure that you haven't closed those loops until the very end. You know, comedy shows do this really, really well. Um, mm. but live shows inherently boring. It's like, okay, you've given us all you, all you want and now you're talking to the camera and you're babbling, you know. Yes. So, well, that's just a bit of a sideways rant for today's podcast. What about you? What did you, tell me what you've been learning apart from... Uh, uh, everyone stuff. loves it. You guys love it, right? I mean, you love it when we go on these little weird rants, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so I came across a new tool. So um, in the past on some episodes, I've shared with you guys this thing called... Uh, I know I forgot the name of it. It's a heat map tool. Can hot you jar. The hot jar. Uh, well, the new one is, yeah, but the old one I always went, oh, oh, crazy, crazy egg. egg. Crazy egg. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I used to always share about that. And there's a new tool that I've come across, probably not as new as I think, but it's called Hot Jar. And it has these heat maps, but it has a lot of other things. So it helps you get your site to be more user friendly. Um, where And all the rage right now right, is that lingo of UX, user experience. And that's what it allows you to do. It has heat maps that you can put over the top of your site. So basically, it's showing you where people are looking with a map that sort of has these little hot points. 
and it also has um let's see it has surveys you can put on your site that pop up it has um feedback polls those people on your site it's like hey thanks for being here what else can we do to improve our site it has recruitment of user testers where you can give away gift cards for people to test your site for more user to be more user friendly really it's pretty cool and it's not very expensive and um so it kind of does much more than a heat map tool does a lot of different things to help you improve your website from a user perspective do you have a clue on the price why good question that you're asking me because i'm on their price chart right now we have a basic version for small businesses and students that is free for up to 2000 page views a day and then for 29 dollars a month you can get you know 10000 page views per day and a lot more and if you're like a big business you're only going to pay about 89 dollars a month so let's just put that in perspective 2000 page views per day is really a lot for, a most, lot. for most businesses you you will be happy per day so if the average page view is two or three i mean that's a thousand you know 700 visitors a day mm-hmm. uh that's a lot of people you if you've got that much traffic you are doing really really well so wow that i love that let's get that tool why haven't we got that before let's jump on i just heard about it <laughs> And I'm going to be using it. There we go. So we'll be using that and maybe we'll have to do a podcast on how we used it and how it works for us. But hey, there's a great tool for you. And, um, you know, a lot of these free sections of tools don't give you much. This is a lot. That's good. Amazing. Yeah, it looks really good. So there's my little thing I came across for you guys. Awesome. Well, let's let's transition to the, the main crux of today's podcast. And that is the three questions that you get asked the most often when you're out speaking, out and about, speaking to people, whether it's entrepreneurs, business owners, or whoever, um, because, you know, these questions are great. I know what they are, because we've, we've, um, we know, we, we get them regularly, but yeah. let's dig in and um, answer those questions. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I guess, preframe this by saying that these are primarily website questions, and the reason why is that a lot of what I talk about is about website optimization and funnels, which really ultimately comes down to your website. So that's why the questions I get are, are a lot, oftentimes geared in this space, whereas last episode we just had, guys, you should listen to that one, is about social media questions because Andrew does a lot of social media topics. So first question I get when it comes to sort of the whole website thing is when I'm teaching stuff, people get very excited and they're like, wow, I want to do that. So then they ask me, where do I get help to do this? That's mm. one of the very first questions because they're very excited. And most of us as small business owners are not technically inclined and um, shouldn't be because that's not your gift. You should be doing focusing on what you should be doing in your business, you know. Mm-hmm. So a couple ways you can get help. And this really ultimately does come down to budget. And also you get what you pay for. <laughs> so, totally, totally. The first thing I say is this, let's talk budget because really, if you, you think of your website, it, it really wants to take good care of you, right? So it needs to be coded well, it needs to be fast, it needs to have opt-ins in the right places, and in, it, it's there to drive business or new leads into your business. So if you're going, going to give it that sort of mindset of neglect, where you're like, oh, I'm just going to go and try and get it done for $20. When you get work done like that, you're getting people that tend to can be a little bit more sloppy with their code and they're not, they just don't take as much pride in their work because you're now in that commodity space of trying to get the cheapest instead of the most quality. So I like to go from sort of a marriage of the two. 
So where do you get help? So the first thing is, if you can, do, you know, try and lift your game a little bit, pay a little bit more. Um, by I mean by that, if you're going to outsource it, you can go to a place called Upwork, U-P-W-R-K.com, Upwork.com, or there's another one, Freelance, um, or is it Freelance or Freelancer.com? It's one of the it's two. Freelancer.com. Freelancer.com. Um, and you can go and find developers that can fix things on your site or do things on your site for you. But here is where a lot of people don't use these systems properly. They go on and like I said, they're shopping for price. Really what you want to do is you want to look for somebody that has good references that probably um, charges a little bit more. I like to look for people in certain countries where I know that they're on my time zone or I can work well with them or their cultural background as well. Um, And I like to see their work. So if you're going to go that way, don't just hire somebody because they're cheap. You you actually want to do your due diligence and it's going to take a little bit more time for you and a little bit cost a little bit more probably to get better help. But really think about it like this. And Andrea, I know you're in the same boat. You hear this all the time. There are people that cut corners right, left and center. And then they have this basically wonky house that's built on a really bad foundation that keeps breaking down because they have built, used too many people over time, paid too little amounts, and then they have this really shaky foundation for their business of which they're trying to make, you know, your website is your business nowadays online. Mm. Can, so, I, can I just add yeah. something to that? If you're looking, looking at somebody's um, portfolio on one of these freelancing sites, um, we, we've, had, we've had this before where we were interviewing somebody and they said, well, I, uh, I created, I was involved with the creation of this particular website. So we went and looked at the website and the website was good. It was really nice and uh, functioned well. And what we could see was pretty good. Um, and we were under the impression that this person had built the entire website. Well, it turns out that he built a small section of the FAQ page, you know, <laughs> but he stuck his name to it and said, this is what I've been involved with. So you yeah. really want to ask them, you know, what did you do on that project? If they give you a project and it looks amazing and immaculate, um, just check in with them and say, what parts were you involved with that project? Because they... You know, freelancers, uh, and this is a generalization, but they will try and make themselves look as good as they possibly can. Um, and sometimes the truth gets bent a little bit. Yeah, very, very good point. And, and also I find that when you're working with somebody, you can say to them, you know, what's the best uh, way I can communicate with you or give you tasks? And if they don't have a really good, concise answer for that, stay away. Because <laughs> that means they haven't worked on enough projects to actually see a project through. So that's the first way you can get relatively inexpensive help. And the second thing is the difference between freelancers and agencies in your own country. So this is where the prices start to go up, but you have somebody in your own country and you're also going to get the quality that, um, for most part, that you would really want in your website online. So we have a couple differences here. An agency is something like what Andrew and I used to run for a while called Autopilot Your Business, which, you know, that's how you guys, most of you know us. And for... What that is, is, is is basically from start to finish, you build websites, you give strategy, um, but you have a lot of different team members to accomplish different parts of that particular project. Whereas a freelancer is a specialist in one area. So you can actually go on and say, for example, WordPress developer Sydney, uh, which I live in, Sydney, Australia, and you can find people that live and they, they are freelancers that just specialize as a developer in a particular platform. So again, pros and cons, of, of both of these is that you can go to these outsourcing sites. You're not going to know the person for a lot of the time. Um, you can get more deals, but those deals can also be tricky 
and, you know, be built on a, a rocky foundation or ruin something that you've already worked hard to create. Or you can also do the agency or the freelancer way um, within your own country and or or overseas as well. Um, and you'll probably be spending a little bit more, but get more quality. And you will also get people that already kind of know a lot more. So they might actually come more as a strategist to the, the equation. So you just think, um, look for, look for, do a Google search for these sort of people. Um, if that, is that the yep. best way to find an agency, do you think? Yeah, Google searches and referrals. I, I, referrals are always, always huge, you know, especially in the space of website development, because you will hear horror stories and you also hear, oh, I love this person. Go there, you know. So, um, yeah, so referrals and or searches. Yeah, if you want to one extra step, if you see a website that you like and it's a local website that, you know, maybe it's your competitor or maybe someone that you know locally, um, Check the bottom of the websites. Usually the builder of the websites will have their little link down the very, yes. very bottom. You can click on that and find out who they are. Um, mm -hmm. But don't feel embarrassed either contacting the owner of the website and say, listen, I want to get a new website and I see you you used company XYZ. Um, how would you how would you rate them? Are they good? Are they you know, and ask them the questions that, that you would normally ask for doing your due diligence. Um, because that way, at least you get to see their work, but you're also asking some of their customers because these people are telling you who their customers are, which can be valuable information. Totally. Well, well said. So, yes, I think that that that's the key part part is that, you know, if you want to do some of the changes that certainly Andrew and I talk about in a lot of our podcasts with you guys, then that's how you're going to do it. That's how you're going to find some people that's going to help you out in this space. Are we ready for question number two? Let's dig into question number two. Okay, so question number two is, do I really need to have a blog? And it's pretty much how they say it. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly do I how really they say it. really need it? <laughs> uh -huh. it's, like, it's, like okay, my, it's like my five-year-old. Do I really have to go to bed? Do yes. I really have to brush my teeth? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to revert back to uh, the common sense of a beautifully answered question that we did in a previous podcast. And that podcast number is, I'm going to pull that out right now, Aha, 110. So we interviewed a guy from um, a tool called iSpionage, and he basically put it beautifully, and now I use that when I answer this question. <laughs> basically, it's this. A common website has the, the normal pages, home, about, services, products, contact sort of pages, right? You know, sort of give or take 10 main pages of your site. And that allows you to use a keyword phrase to be found in Google for each of those 10 pages. So if you're optimizing, say, your about page for sort of what your business does, that's one keyword phrase. A blog post, every time you create a blog post, is another page on your website which is written on a key keyword phrase. So it's a, it's a topic, a main theme that you can now be found on not only in Google, but also you can use this to be shared on your social media. So I think if you just look at it like that, the answer is yes, you need to have a blog <laughs> because it allows you not only to be found in search engines, but really and most importantly, it allows you to have something to talk about to your newsletter list, on your social media accounts. It, it gives your business a voice and it helps you educate potential users of your business. I mean, we're big into market segmentation and trying to work out who's your avatar and who's your you know ideal clients. And people are going to come into your business from a numerous, um, you know, 
vast variety um, of, of pain points, right? They're going to come in and some people are going to be in our case, Andrew, they come in, they're like, I need help with business automation, or I need help with my Facebook ads, or I need whatever it is, it's endless. So your content allows you to meet them where they're at. You know, where are they? What's their pain point? Bring them in on that piece of content and then guide them to the next steps for you on your website. So do you really need a blog? Yes, you do need a blog. And I'll go into part two of that question in a second, but what else do you, what are your thoughts on that, Andrew? Um, it's, you know, we're creating content at a, at a massive amount of pace. Um, Google is using blog content to make sure that your website is actually alive. You know, is, is there anything happening on your website? And, um, you know, if they don't see new entries with new dates, they sort of think, well, if the owner can't even be bothered coming along and adding stuff, why should we show it in the search results? So it's not as that simple, but it's that's along the lines of you need to be alive and kicking. And, and a blog is your, is the heartbeat of your website. Absolutely. So part two of that is, okay, fine. I get it. I need a blog. But how long does it have to be? <laughs> so I always say, okay, well, let's let's crank out some numbers. So back in the day when everyone started sort of talking about content marketing, which would have been circa, what, 2010, I'm thinking? Content <laughs> sort of mind, yeah, the mainstream yeah. people started talking about it then, yes. Yeah, so blogging and, and what a, a big trend was back in 2010-11 was basically just pump content out, go outsource it, get somebody to write it. doesn't really matter if it's even that good. Spin it, you know, do versions of different uh, versions of yes. the same piece and remember those good old no, days. Oh, the good old days. I was just going to say the good old days of spinning content. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um put them out in all these other places and cross link them back and blah 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 blah. Anyway, the the key problem with that was that that everyone got used to these sort of 300 to 500 word blog posts that were crap because <laughs> they were either spun meaning like a plugin or a robot would rewrite them in a weird way that doesn't even make sense for a human reader or they were written where without any sort of spark or spirit or any sort of good opinion they were just kind of yeah. bland and boring i call them flavor flavorless soup you know it, it's a bowl yeah. of soup yes it's a meal it's a bowl of soup it can feed you but do you <laughs> want to go and try it again not really you gotta yeah i mean if you want to eat it you can but most people leave it leave it on the side of their meal <laughs> so uh exactly yeah. and it worked it worked for a little while because the the first people to do that were creating content and then as social media became big, you know, people were looking on what to share. So they were willing to share this type of writing. But as the market became flooded and this became known that everyone needs to create content, then suddenly the next phase up for that is, well, what do you need to do to stand out? So not only have we researched this, there's a really cool um, social media automation tool called Buffer App. And Buffer App came out with an article where they've researched, I think it was 10 million uh, of the posts of, that people shared on their apps or social media posts. And the blog posts that were most highly shared and engaged and reshared throughout all their app were two things. They were list posts. So they were 10 steps to do this, five ways to do this. So basically stick a number in front of something and then talk about what you're going to teach them. Mm -hmm. And they were around approximately 2,500 to 3,000 words. Mm-hmm. So data right there, if that doesn't say anything else to you, that should just answer the question, how long does your blog post need to be? Well, about 3,000 words. And the key with this as well is that 
it also needs images, it needs scannability, it needs an ability to allow somebody to easily scroll through and see what they're going to learn, have images, have examples, even bring in videos or SlideShare or other ways for them to engage rather than just a huge 3,000 word article. You need lots of other things going on in that post. So that's the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah, and people don't like it, then they're not going to like it. But at the end of the day, I would rather see, and you probably, you can tell me your thoughts too, but I would rather see you do one post a month that's got 3,000 words on it than four posts of 500 words. Totally. And this is, this is exactly the segue into the last question I'm going to share. So well done. It's almost like we planned this. <laughs> <laughs> want to ramp up your knowledge and results in online marketing, social media and automation? Whether you want to get your first 1000 followers or double your profits, all you need to do is follow these steps inside DTI. Sign up and grab your special listener bonuses now at digitaltrafficinstitute.com forward slash special. So the next question I get is, how am I meant to cope with all the that I have to do? So they're sitting at my table. I'm doing like a mastermind session and they're sitting there and they're getting excited. They want to do their opt-ins in the right places. They're kind of, you know, I'm giving them ideas of where to go get help. They then understand that they need a blog. And then this is the part of the, the time in my talk where the eyes glaze over. <laughs> the eyes glaze over. That's, <laughs> and that's, not, just, that's not your eyes. That's their eyes, right? Their eyes. <laughs> Yeah, good one. So they're glazing over, staring at me. Some of them proceed to go to sleep. Some of them yawn. And the question comes out, how am I meant to do all this? So the perfect answer to that is exactly what you started saying. And it is this. Think about your blog as the foundation for all of the content that you're going to need for an entire month in your business. So if you're now creating a 3,000 word blog post, let's say that we're doing a five steps to do this. So what's a good one, Andrew? Let's see, like we, well, we just released one actually. It's really good, you guys, you should check it out. It's five steps to automate your business, uh, marketing, um, right? Business marketing, <laughs> I should know that. Like, back yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have five steps in there. So if you go to that, um, or I should say when you go to that article, because I know you guys will love it, uh, it's on our website, you basically go scrolling through that post and you have each of the five steps have sub parts. So in one of them, it's it's basically finding your perfect market or your avatar. And we have tools in there that allow you to go out and do that. And we have, some of them have videos, some of them have, you know, um, images, screen, screen shares, all sorts of things. We're, we're educating you on how to actually use that tool or, or get that point better. So with that, you now have this incredible tutorial piece, this incredibly long, beautiful blog with lots of, of sort of breakaway points, images, and think about your images like this as well. You can use images in, in one of three ways. You can have them basically um, illustrate the point. So that could be kind of like a case study that could even be not only a screen grab of what the point is, but it could also be like a stat. So it could literally be, you know, the, the key stat or, or key um, sort of takeaway or key fact from this particular point. It can also be an image that has um, on top of it, it could be um, a quote. So that could be a quote from somebody you interview. It could be a quote from yourself, the author in that piece, in that particular point. And then also the next thing you could do in there is um, you could do, so we have a quote, we have the sort of stat or uh, a fact, but you can also have the key summary or the key main point from that particular piece of your blog post. So if you're doing this correctly, let's say you have the five steps and each of the five steps, you have 
uh, images that you've created in a tool like, say, Canva, canva canva.com, and you now have, like, if you do a couple per point, you now have 10. So you have 10 images that you can now share and stagger out on social media, some that you link back to your blog post, some that you don't need to because you want to have a combo of both. Um, And you have this incredible machine that's there, whereas at the end of a year, you have 12 substantial blog posts that you're now staggering and compounding for, you know, for a long time. And you're now not having to think about overwhelm with all this because now you have a great blog post that you can actually do newsletters with, content marketing, repurposing, you know, all the beautiful things that you want to do with a blog post. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and, and the key thing is that you've got a great piece of content, not just a piece of content. And that is the key for it to getting shared and continuing to be uh, well trafficked. Now, if you're in a space like us where, you know, sometimes our stuff goes out of date. You know, we're talking about a platform, a social media platform, and it goes out of date, like Blab, you know, it died. If we if we had a post about Blab, it's now out of date. It doesn't work. No one wants to know about it. But if you're in an industry where you can create an evergreen piece, that means it's still relevant today as much as it is in six months' time, then you're still going to continue getting great traffic from that piece. Absolutely, yes. And I know that still some of you guys might be thinking, okay, it's becoming a little bit more clear. And, um, you know, it's still, there might be some questions in your head as far as, okay, now I get that. I get where I can get some help and I get the need to blog and do this. But, you know, some of us are still time poor. And literally, guys, just before this very podcast, Andrew and I were having a chat. And what we're going to do is we're going to have some webinars that we open up our, basically our, our computer screens and we walk you through how we do this sort of stuff. Um, so I just want, I thought Andrew, I'd bring that up to these guys. So the best place to find out what webinars or live trainings we have coming up are on our website. It's autopilotyourbusiness.com. There is a menu button there that says webinars and you can click on that and you can see what upcoming webinars we have. Um, and we're going to be doing a lot around the content, you know, space of what we've talked about here today on if you don't like to create content and you don't have time, how do you do it? You know, how do you do these 3000 word blog posts and, and make it easier on yourself? So come and join us guys. Cause then you, we can hang out with you in a different way and, and kind of get to, to meet you that way and share our screens. And we're just going to show you what we do, you know, and, and I know it'll help you, you guys out a lot. Yeah. You can ask questions too, as we go. So we'll be live. You can ask questions, you know, if you've got some interesting questions you want to pose, then make sure you do that. Um, and also, let's just be clear, it's not a sales webinar or anything like that. It's just content. We're going to show, show you some great information. We plan to do it for about half an hour. Um, so put a, put aside 30 minutes. And then if uh, if you've got more questions, and we'll stay on as long as we need to, uh, to answer those questions. So that's where it is. Check it out on the tabs on autopilotyourbusiness.com. You'll see the tab up the top. Webinars. Webinars. Thank (laughs) you. Yes. Um, Give us a summary of those three questions. If uh, people are taking notes, let's make sure they've got all of the right answers. Perfect. So the first thing is, where do you get website help? So you have two options. You can either go to a website like Freelancer or um, Upwork, and you can hire and outsource it to somebody there of which you'll have to place, you know, a little job post to get somebody to do exactly what you want. Make sure to do your due diligence and make sure you're not paying the cheapest rates as well. Um, or you can go to an agency or freelancer inside of your own country or, or in a country, you know, that's sort of nearby you on similar time zone. You probably will pay a little bit more, but you'll also get tend to get a little bit better level of work in most cases, not all cases, but most cases, because a lot of these guys will come with strategy behind them to help make your life easier as a business owner. So point number two, 
uh, or question number two is, do I really need to have a blog? <laughs> yes, you do need to have a blog. As we just discussed, it's how you basically are going to continue to have conversations on social media and with your email list and allow people to find you from different pain points on Google. Um, and how long does it need to be? Well, data says 3000 words and who are we to lie with 10,000 or 10 million some odd posts. Mm -hmm. 10 million, <laughs> yes. And, and then the last question was, um, uh, yeah, how do I cope with it all? How do I actually do all this stuff? And if you just look at your blog post that you create in a much more strategic way and you use that as the hub of your communications for that entire month, then you'll be able to cope a lot easier than thinking of it as a sort of scattered shotgun, shotgun approach. There you go. Very good. H, very good. I think that helps a lot of people. I'm sure it does because I know, um, as you said, we get those questions a lot and they're pretty much the standard answers that we give people when they ask those questions as well. They are. Yeah. Yes, they are. Um, guys, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but what happens in iTunes is that it's getting harder and harder to be found. And um, it's because there's just more people with amazing podcasts. The best way to share this with other small business owners, if you're getting value of this, is to um, go and review it. Because reviews basically say to iTunes, hey, this is a good show. Show it to other people. <laughs> so um, we'd love to have a review from you in iTunes. And we always love to hear from you over at uh, autopilotyourbusiness.com, our podcast are all listed there on aybpodcast.com. Yay. Thanks very much, everybody. Thank you, Heather. That was great. Um, look forward to seeing you all on the next podcast, which is coming up very, very soon. Love it, guys. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, you guys. We'll talk to you all soon. All passengers and cabin crew should now be seated with their seatbelt securely fastened. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first officer speaking. On behalf of your captains, Andrew McCauley and Heather Porter, we would like to thank you for taking the journey with us to autopilot your business. You are now closer to putting your own business on autopilot using the Internet. Of course, if you would like to rack up some frequent flyer points, visit our website, www.autopilotyourbusiness.com, or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash autopilotyourbusiness. These frequent flyer points are totally useless, but the information is gold. Until we fly again, happy travels.